I'll let you go ahead and be seated because we're going to get ready and go to the word after this. Obviously, some of us ignore the news and sometimes that feels like the easiest thing to do and the best thing to do. Some of us watch too much news and sometimes that feels like the best and the, the, the hardest thing to do. But there, there, are, there are always things going on in our community and there's always things going on in our country. And obviously, obviously the, the, the church wants to stand on the side of God and on the side of Jesus. And I, I this week, even with what's happened in Columbus, Ohio, I, I called so many of my friends who are on every side of this issue. And I have to say, as a pastor, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. I've never been so conflicted in my life. I'm not scared for what's happening to the world from the perspective of what's going to happen. I've read the end of the book. I know how it goes. I'm not scared from that perspective. But I have a genuine concern for some of my people, for some of my, my people that go to my church, friends that I have that I've called friends for a very long time. Because I have friends on every side of this issue. I have friends that are very close friends that I love very, very much that are police officers. And I called several of them this week. And I didn't even know what I was going to say. I'm just calling them. I'm going, how are you doing? They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, how are you? And I'm praying with them and I'm talking with them and I'm, I'm just asking them. You know, one of them I just asked, I said, how's your heart? How's your heart doing? How are you doing with still loving people? And those are good friends that I know very, very well on that side. But I've also, I'll point to the drums, but it's not Christian. Our friend that drummed with us last week, Dougie Jackson, who's been a friend with me since I was seven years old. <laughs> played t-ball with a guy and have gone through life with him gone through school with him watched him bury both of his parents helped carry his mom's casket to her graveside who's a close friend who's a black man I was with him after I had gone out to dinner with him about 11 or 12 years ago I was with him parked behind his house on on a road in Mansfield and with my own eyes I watched it happen to him <laughs> because we were parked there and it was nighttime and I was dropping him off and we like lifelong friends we're catching up a little bit and we're talking and chatting my car's running I'm the driver of the car it's my truck parked behind his house and many many years ago he gets asked for all of his information while I'm sitting there in the car and gets pulled out of the car and all this stuff's happening and he's behind his house and this guy has never done anything wrong with anybody he wouldn't hurt a fly actually we all would hurt if we all kill a fly but we he, 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 he's not a just a human being and so I've been on both sides of this and I've got I've I, I've I've got friends on both sides of this and somewhere in the in the middle of it is the truth, because the truth gets lost in a lot of garbage, and the truth gets lost in a lot of talking and a lot of yelling, and the real truth is, is that God is 
intimately aware of what's going on in our society right now. He's intimately aware of what's going on with people's hearts and lives. And God is most interested, you need to understand this, God is most interested with your soul. He's most interested with with where you're going to end up after this thing is over. I was talking to a good brother this week, and we were talking about Mark chapter 13. And it it says this, and it's talking about the last days. It says essentially that you need to watch out that no one deceives you. That many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many and will hear wars and rumors of wars. And he said, don't be along. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And I know, you know, here goes pastor talking about end times again. Listen, man, Jesus said twice as much, twice as much about coming back as the Old Testament said about him coming the first time. So whether or not you think it's going to happen, if you believe he came the first time, if the guy talked about coming back twice as much, then you might want to think about that claim when you hear wars and rumors of wars don't be alarmed such things must happen but the end is still to come and then the bible says this curious little thing after it says you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars it says nation will rise against nation which actually seems like he's saying the same thing twice wars and rumors of wars as countries fighting against one another and then he says nation will rise against nation but you have to understand something that word nation in the greek is not country it's not what it means The word nation in the Greek in in Mark chapter 13, verse 8, is actually ethnos. It's where we get our word ethnicity from or ethnic from. And what what the Bible is actually saying is in the last days, people groups are going to rise against other people groups. People are going to find things that can can fracture them and can divide them. And we're going to draw very hard lines and we're going to begin to make, we're going to begin to make uh, huge, huge issues out of things. And we're actually going to, we're actually going to become fractionalized as a society because of things that are happening. Here's what I want to say. We can say, you know what, Pastor Aaron, it's, it's, it's in times, it's going to happen, and there's really nothing we can do about it. I would submit to you that we have never been called to be of the world. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. This is an entirely different culture. This is an entirely different climate in here. This is a place that says, you know what? I know what's going on outside of the four walls. I know what's going on all over our country, but we believe differently. We think differently, we act differently, and we pray accordingly. And when we pray accordingly, we believe that what's going on outside of our four walls is impacted because we don't believe that we're offering up prayers that only go to the roof of our mouth or the ceiling of our church. We believe that our prayers, come on, do you believe this? Do you believe prayer actually makes a difference? Because if you don't, then why do we just pray for for a, a, a kid? If you don't believe prayer makes a difference, then why do you say grace over your meal? If you don't believe prayer makes a difference, then why do you pray when your checkbook is low? I believe prayer is not the littlest thing that we can do. It's the greatest thing that we can do and then and then as followers of Jesus we start acting like it we start acting like it if you have a police officer friend love on them if you have a friend that is a different that looks different than you I would even say that lives a different life than you doesn't just look different than you but might not be who you think they should be that's okay I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to agree listen we don't have to agree with everybody and love people where did that start there's never been a time where agreement is the only 
only thing that allows us to love somebody. Listen to me. Do you agree? I've asked this question a hundred times. Do you agree with your spouse on every single issue? Not if you got a good marriage. Disagreement sometimes produces the greatest choice. It produces the greatest ideas, right? It really does. It's where creativity flows from. And in our marriage and in our friendships, we're okay with disagreement because we still love people. At the end of the day, as believers, listen to me, as believers, we do not get the right to stop loving people who we don't know because they don't live the way that we live. That is not on the ta- that's on the table for the world. But it is not on the table for us. It's not on the table for us. Skin color is not on the table for us. Gender is not on the table for us. Sexual preference, let me tell you this, it's not on the table for us. Oh, but pastor, we, we, we know that people are, are, are living contrary to the word of God. They are. Dogs bark, cats meow, and sinners sin. What did you do before you knew Jesus? Come on, if you were doing it right, you sinned. I can tell you before I knew Jesus, I was a sinner. And I can even tell you since I've known him, I've messed up. I've still had to go to the cross with my sin and my failure. Those things aren't on the table for us. What is on the table is prayer. What is on the table is checking our opinions. And is is my opinion and is me being right so important that I'm willing to lose my testimony over it? I don't believe it is. I'm grateful that I can have an online presence right now and that I didn't, I had a lot of opinions in the 20 months that I didn't pastor. And many, many times I'm like, oh, I can post now because I'm not a pastor. I can say what I want. And I'm so grateful that I didn't sully my Facebook account because I can still speak to things now because I didn't have to be right. Some of you are right. And I'm not saying I read your Facebook pages. I do sometimes. Some of you are right, but you can be right and still have a wrong heart. Do you hear me? You can be right and have a wrong heart. I want to pray for our country. And I think we would do well to do this for several weeks. I want to bow our head. I want to close our eyes and I want to offer up a simple prayer before we get into the word. I'll keep it. I'll keep the word brief this morning. Father, we believe that the most important thing that we can do is not only pray, but believe that our prayers are heard and that you respond. Now, God, I don't believe for two seconds that we can tell you what to do. (laughs) And prayer sometimes, the greatest thing that prayer does, Lord, oftentimes is Not just that it changes our situation. Oftentimes, prayer just changes us. You begin to change our heart as we lift our voice to you. You begin to change our heart as we begin to pray for people that we've never met. And pray for people that are on every side of every issue. Lord, there are people in this country that are just angry on both sides. And Lord, we we get so upset because they might be on a different side of an issue than, than we are. And we haven't even asked ourselves why they're on a, on a different side of an issue. Could it be because they've been hurt? Could it be because 
They've been spit at. Could it be because, and that literally could be both sides of of this issue. They've been hurt and been spit at. Could it be that they've had something happen in their past? We oftentimes don't even think about what's gone on in somebody's recent past, let alone their distant past. And Father, even as a church, we often don't think about this, but the whole world really needs to be prayed for because ultimately we're deceived. We're deceived. When Jesus could tell us 2,000 years ago in Mark chapter 13, when he's having a conversation with his disciples, that ethnos will rise against ethnos, that people groups will rise against people groups, that's a recognition that there is going to be a deception at a level that we don't understand. And there is a very real enemy of our soul. There is a very real enemy that the word says comes as an angel of light, that he can that he can move as though he has truth coming and dripping off of his lips and deception is deception because it looks to be true it looks to be right but it can come from a wrong heart or it can have things that are factually inaccurate inside of it laced with truth and we know that the devil works that way when he was tempting jesus in matthew chapter 4 he quotes scripture to the son of the living god he's quoting the book of psalms to jesus and trying to get jesus to be deceived with the word of god because he is a manipulator and he's active the word says that he is that he prowls around as a lion seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says he comes as an angel of light, but we know that Jesus is the light of the world. We know that he is not like a lion, that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. We know that Satan tries to deceive us by being an imitator, and we know that he wants to imitate to the heart of man to the place where we will listen to and believe things that are just simply untrue here's what we need is the body lord and this is what i'm praying for a church that has eyes to see and ears to hear and to discern that we can walk up into situations and circumstances and not paint with broad brush strokes but look at each and every individual situation and make a truthful assessment of what's going on but but not lose the ability to love people God, there are are literally people, we talked about it last week, there are literally people who are in the most broken of situations. There are people in our prison systems, just talked with a good brother today. There are people in our prison systems that are human beings. And we're supposed to love them. The most broken and castigated of society, we're supposed to love and to care. The least of these, whatsoever we do unto the least of these, we do also unto you so God I pray that we would be a church that has that mindset that we will love the least of these it does not matter it does not matter where you come from it does not matter what you look like it does not matter what your past is it does not matter how broken you are it does not matter how much you've hurt it doesn't even matter how much you've hurt others Lord we want to be a church that has the ability to love people and to show the heart of Christ that's what we want at the end of the day So God, we're going to need you to move inside of us. So Father, today, as we get ready to get into your word, I guess the main thing to pray is help us to have your heart. Help us to have your heart and your mind toward this. And help us, Lord, to have your wisdom toward this. I know that some of us feel like we cannot speak. We cannot cannot share on this because we just don't know what to say and we're afraid to say the wrong thing. Lord, sometimes we don't need to say anything. We just need to love people. 
So, Father, I ask, Lord, for your wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. He really is. God is good. Amen. I know we've done a lot of talking and that stuff already. But I, as, as, as we, and thank you guys for just flowing and hanging out with me. I appreciate that. As we establish Fusion Church in, in Madison, and, and I shouldn't even say as we, as God establishes Fusion Church in Madison, it's really important and it's, in, it's incumbent upon us to, to do our best to establish this thing according to who the Bible says we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to do it. And there's so much going on that, that can really, really pull us off of who God has called us to be as a body. And I just don't want to have that happen. I want to be a generous church. I want to be a church that thinks about our community. I want to be a church that loves people. I want to be a church that, that really is a church that speaks the truth, isn't afraid to, because I'm going to tell you right now, I have no trouble telling you what the Bible says. I will do that. And so sometimes the word might step on your toes and that's okay too. And we will speak to issues that happen in our society and our culture. And sometimes that might be offensive, but if it goes in direct contrast to the word of God, just know I'm going to talk about what happens. But on these, on, these, on these things, man, I just believe we need the wisdom and the discernment of the Holy Spirit. I believe God needs to guide us and lead us, direct us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and get into the word of God this morning. Romans chapter 12. We're going to be verses 4 through 8. Everybody say Romans. All right. I want to get into the word. We've been in a series called This Is Us. Everybody say This Is Us. We've been talking about who we are as a body and who we are as a church. And the first thing that we talked about in the first week was genuine love. Loving people who least expect it and least deserve it. And, and being able to not, uh, to not hate our enemies, but actually rather to be able to love and pray for our enemies. We talked about that. And then we talked about last week, genuine support, supporting one another, that we are absolutely here to lift one another up. We're here to support one another. And, and, and we're here to support our community. We, we're doing some things with that obviously today. And this morning I want to talk about genuine service. Everybody say service. service. Come on, everybody say service. service. I want to talk to you about genuine service today, what it means to engage with the body of Christ. I'm going to read this to you out of two different versions this morning. I want to read it out of the message and then I want to read it out of the NIV, but we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse four, going down through verse eight. It says, in this way, we are like the various parts of of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and our function as a part of his body. <laughs> I love the message Bible. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. I love the way the message says that. Now let's go to the NIV. The NIV says the same thing. It just says it a little bit differently. For by the grace of God given to 
me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Say no pride. pride. Or did your pride not let you say no pride? Say no pride. pride. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Say one body. And each member belongs to all the others. I know we did this, and I'm not going to have you do this today, but you belong to each other. I know you come in here and you sit beside your spouse and you got your kids with you and you think that belongs to me or that kid belongs to me. But ultimately, when we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we are supposed to throw down roots in a place, we're supposed to do life together, and we're supposed to belong to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So here's the idea that that Paul wants to give us as he's talking to the church at Rome. We all are different parts of the same body. Everybody hold your hand up. You have a hand, you have another hand, you have fingers, you have bones, you have nerves, you have tendons, you have blood, you have all these different things going on, and your hand is connected to everything else. The reason you were able to raise your hand up is because your brain listened to what I told you to do, and you displayed the, the ability to listen and to respond to words that were given to you. Your brain told you to raise your hand, your hand raised up, and you, you were able to do that. But listen to me, understand this, your, your whole body is not just your hand, your whole body is not just your foot. Your whole body is not just your arm. And Paul wants us to have this image that we are a a sum of all of our parts. We are a sum of all of our parts. And this gets difficult in church because church folk can get super territorial over their stuff and their way of doing things. Can I get an amen from people that have ever been involved? I've been involved in churches where we had entirely different departments. You had a music department, you had a children's department, you had the cleaning department, you had, you had all, everything was a department, department this, department that, department this, and there were budgets. Everybody had their own budget. You get your money, you get your money, you have a budget. You, you, even, even this, this would be the, the worship department stage, and I've learned in the church environment that sometimes people can become so departmentalized that they're not a part of a body anymore. We are the sum of all of our parts. And so in this church, I, I, try to tell our, I try to tell our leaders this. I want you to think of yourself more like a Walmart instead of a strip mall. And I know that I'm teaching some different things here this morning, but I, I want to establish this as we grow and as we develop. In Walmart, if you're in the paint department, which don't buy paint at Walmart. It's not good paint. But if you're in the paint department, <laughs> buy it at Lowe's, where you really should buy it from. But if you're in the paint department at Lowe's and you realize, oh my goodness, I don't know where the socks are at. In general, the guy in the paint department, because he's a part of Walmart, even though there's departments inside of Walmart, they are able to take you over to the men's socks because they are one store. They work together. Versus a strip mall, you go in one store, out one store. In one store, out one store. In one store, and it's completely different stores, different product, different culture inside of each store. In, out, in, out, in, out. 
listen, we want to be in, 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 in this together. And when we have success as a body, we are successful together. We are a sum of all of our parts. When you hear things like, we've had seven kids get saved in kids' church. It doesn't matter if you're involved in kids' church. That should thrill your soul. Amen? When you realize and you go back to that baptism sheet and you look and you see who's getting baptized, we have six or seven kids getting baptized. That should thrill your soul. Even if you're on the worship team or you're a greeter or you're a parking lot person, that's what we're here for. We're in this together to win. And we're not departments. We are a sum of all of our parts. And pride has the ability to enter in getting involved in the body of Christ. It has the ability to enter in and getting involved in our life. Hey, man, if it weren't for you, this place would fall apart. If it weren't for you, that thing wouldn't run over there. If it weren't for you, this would be a broken mess. If it weren't for you, you wouldn't have any, any, any drums or any, any children's workers. If it weren't for you, you wouldn't, your church would be just falling apart. If it wasn't, I, I, I can't even tell you this. This will enter into some people when they write checks to the church. I had one guy one time asked if he was the biggest tither in the church that I, that I was the youth pastor at. It, it gave me great pleasure to tell him no. I was like, no, you're actually not. I shouldn't tell you that, but you deserve to know. No, you're not the biggest tither. Because his attitude, he, 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 he followed it up with, this place would probably be hurting if my family left. And I'm like, with an attitude like this, this place is hurting because you're here. <laughs> Listen, I don't, watch, I don't watch what you give. I want you to understand that. But is that not a prideful attitude that enters into the heart of man that somehow it depends on us. It hangs on us. Jesus wanted us to understand you are super duper important. There's nobody like you. Your DNA is different than everybody else's DNA. Your thumbprint is different than everybody else's thumbprint. But he also wanted you to know if you don't worship him, he'll make rocks cry out. Why did he want you to know that? I want to use you, but you may not be usable. I want you to serve, but if it's going to be about you, you need to understand we're trying to point people to the cross, not to our department, not to our service. Our job as we serve inside of the body of Christ is to point people to the cross, not to our department. We're some of all of our parts, meaning that we function together. We're defined as a body and individually we're defined as Christians, and corporately, we're defined as the church. My grandpa, who I re you'll hear me talk about many, many times, was a, was a free will Baptist minister. Uh, I wonder how he feels about me being in a church that believes in tongues. I don't know. We'll, 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 get, we'll have that conversation in heaven. He was bivocational his entire ministry. He worked at the, the steel mill uh, which, was, which is now AK Steel. He worked there his entire ministry career. And in the last several years of his life, he lost his leg in a battle with, with uh, diabetes and um, just really went through a, a bout of poor health. His leg actually died. They amputated his leg as he was going into rehab for, uh, to learn to walk with his prosthetic leg. The nurse got his, his other foot stuck in the, the door jam and and flung his, his foot loose in the door jam, and it actually actually damaged the end of his good foot, his toes. And this is going to sound terrible, but he got gangrene, and his toes rotted off, uh, and, his good, and his good foot. So my grandpa spent the rest of his life on, on, on crutches. 
he, he got this prosthetic and it gave him some level of functionality with crutches, but at the end of the day, it was a fake leg. He didn't have any feeling in it. He didn't have any sensation in it. And it was a substitution that really never lived up to the original. Although he was able to function, his movement was restricted for the rest of his natural life. And in the Message Bible, it talks about the idea that your, 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 your finger can be cut off or your toe can be cut off. And realistically, I, I, I want to say this, and I want to say this as, as, as nicely as I possibly can. We can function without you, but we will never be everything we could be with you involved. Let me say it again. We can function without you, but we will never be everything that we could be without you. My grandpa was able to walk the rest of his life because of crutches, but he never was able to run. He was never able to really drive again. He was never, enable, never able to really preach again. It took him out of the pulpit. He was able to live, but he wasn't able to be everything that he was supposed to be. And Paul gives us that idea that, that even though you are super important, sometimes we will take, I, I, I've said this several times, sometimes we'll get upset, we'll take our toys and we'll move to another sandbox, another church. And we basically are, are we're, we're willing to say, you're gonna function without a hand because you're gonna see what you done did. Well, you need to understand the body can function without a hand, but realistically, we're not going to be everything that we could be without you. We don't want to do this without you. We want to do this with you. Now, I will also say this. We are a sum of all of our parts. When my grandpa lost his leg, his body, listen to this, his body lived, but his leg died. Our pastor's... All they want, all pastors want, man, is they want our money and they want us to do their job. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm going to tell you why we want you involved from day one. There's no secrets here. I want you involved from day one because I recognize we can't accomplish everything we want to accomplish without you. Number one, I'll just say it the way it is. I want you involved because we can't accomplish everything we want to accomplish without you. We have a bigger vision than we do our volunteer base. Number two, when you cut a hand off and you leave it by itself, the, the blood ceases to flow to it. The function ceases to go to it. And eventually, that hand will die. We know that you being connected and being and serving your part in the body, listen to me, this is my heart as a pastor. I know that you being connected and serving inside of the body is a part of you staying vitally alive in your relationship with Jesus. And if you're not vitally serving and vitally engaged, it only becomes a matter of time before attrition starts. He compared us to a body. If you have a leg, but you don't use the leg, the leg might not die, but you can, if you've ever seen somebody with a cast that hasn't used their leg for a while, they get that cast cut off, they got one big old muscular calf, and then they got one little itty bitty calf. It's kind of a funny picture, really. Some of us in here, because we don't use the gifts that God's given us, we're that little itty bitty tiny shrunk down calf. Attrition has started because we're not using what he has called us to use 
inside of the body. We want you involved because you being involved helps the mission of Jesus Christ go forward. Do you believe there's more people not in church in Madison today than are? We're going to fill this place up next service, right? But there's still more people that are not a part of the body of Christ than are, which means we still got work to do. I don't know why you're here, but for me, I'm here because I want people to find Jesus. That's why I'm here. We're a sum of all of our parts. And even though we can't be everything that we want to be without you, you also need to know you can't be everything that God has called you to be without us. You know that? That's a good word. Reverend L knows. Reverend L knows I'm preaching good. Shout me down, Reverend L. We're a sum of all of our parts. It's about being connected. You being connected is super important. You can have a form and a function. You can have a purpose. You can have all the giftings and abilities. Just like I can bring a vacuum cleaner out here that has a motor and the ability to suck up dirt off the carpet. Until it's connected to a power source, it is a worthless piece of plastic. It has to have power. Staying connected is a part of staying connected to the power of God through his local church. You got to remember, this is God's idea. The local church is not our idea. We've messed it up and made it all kinds of weird things, but the local church is still God's idea. Even though human hands have got on it, it's not everything it should be. We're working toward it, amen? We're a work in progress. Number two, and I'm not going to keep you too much longer. God wants us to understand some not same. Some, not same. We're not looking for you to fit into the mold that we tell you you've got to be in. Now, we may have a, a way we want to do things. Like, I'll tell you this, when you get involved in kids' church, you're doing kids' church for children. We ask our kids' church workers to come in and engage children. Well, this is just the way I do it. We are asking you to engage children. We're going to teach you how to teach Children, you might come in at a college level, but we need you to teach a six-year-old. The six-year-old's going, I don't know what's going on. I just want goldfish. I don't, I gotta go to the bathroom. We need you to teach six-year-olds, not 60-year-olds. So we try to tailor things for the people that we're doing the ministry for, but we recognize that we're not all the same. Look around. Some of you got hair, some of you don't. We ain't the same, and that's okay. Man, that didn't go over well. We got some violent bald people in here. I'm scared a little bit. Hey, everybody's got hair. Meet me in the parking lot. We got we to gotta watch our back. Pastor's talking trash. We have different gifts. The Bible says, according to the grace given to us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's, if it's giving, give. If, if, it's, if, it's, if it's mercy, then be merciful. It, listen, if it's encouragement, be, be, be encouraging. Can you, imagine, can you imagine if we walked into a place and the, only, and the only thing the church had was musicians? Now, I know, jo I know Pastor Josh would be happy. I know Pastor Josh would be happy, but I'm going to tell you right now, it wouldn't be a church. It would just be a bunch of musicians in a jam session. Can you imagine if all we had was children's workers? If all we had was children's workers, we had no pastor, we had no greeters, we had nothing for adults, and all we had was children's workers, what we'd actually have is a youth ministry. It's not a church. It's not a, it's not a bad thing, but it's not a church. If we only had people that were willing to greet, we would have a lot of hello people. You would get greeted. You'd get your socks greeted off. 
but nothing would ever change your life. You're like, that's the friendliest people, that's the friendliest group of helloers I've ever met in my life. Nothing else happened, but a lot of hellos were said. Got all these plastic cups, people were just shoving gifts in my face the whole time. It's like walking into an Oprah set. I just was excited. People were, listen, it's the multiple things that we do that cause us to be the body of Christ. Diversity and differences aren't our weakness. They're actually our strength. The church should look like heaven. What is heaven going to look like? Heaven is going to be as beautiful, as colorful, as diverse as you could ever possibly imagine. Now, I will tell you this. Sin won't be in the presence of God. But it will be the most beautiful diverse place that you could ever imagine. I'll just tell you right now, there's going to be Baptists there. Do you believe that? Reverend L, do you believe there'll be Baptists in heaven? There might even be some Catholics in heaven. There'll be a few Methodists over in heaven. There'll be Lutherans in heaven. There'll be some Presbyterians in heaven. Might make a few Pentecostals in heaven. That's the loud section of heaven, Pentecostals. Reverend L is going to be in the tambourine section of heaven. Everybody bringing their own instrument section to heaven. Heaven is going to be diverse. If we only believe that, that we're the only ones that are going to make it, we really are, are, are sadly mistaken what heaven's going to look like. The church, the church is the sum of all of its parts, and it's the sum, but we're not all the same. God has always been a fisher of men, and he wants us to be fishers of men. But if you know anything about fishing, you know that different fish take different lures. I don't, like, I don't like fishing with live bait. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of worms. I'm not scared of them. But they sort of remind me of a small version of a snake. And I don't like snakes. And I am scared of snakes. So I can promise you this. There'll never be any snakes in this service. <laughs> not in this church. I'll be the first one to resign. We out. Church is over. You want to do what? No, 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 no. God uses different bait for different fish. You go walleye fishing up at Lake Erie, you're going to put a worm on an Erie Deary. If you want to catch a walleye, that's probably what you're going to do. And you're not, you're not going to cast a million times. You're going to troll. You're going to, you're going to let that Erie Deary do its thing, that flash in the water and that, live, that, that, that worm that's on there. You're probably going to catch some, some, some fish with that. With a large mouth bass, you can use fake bait. You can use top water. You can use poppers. You can use spinners. You can use all crankbaits, all kinds of stuff to catch bass. But to catch a bluegill, you can't use the same stuff. Why? They got a smaller mouth. You got to get usually a bobber and maybe a little grub worm or something like that. Got to make sure the hook's just the right size. And you're going to catch that bluegill with a different, and God gives us the picture. Peter, you've, you've, you've fished for fish. Now I'm going to challenge you to be fishers of men. There are multiple different ways of doing church. We get really, really caught up in our way of doing things like We'll get caught up in, you know, a Baptist, some Baptists might say, you know what, we believe once you're saved, you're always saved. And, that, and we'll get Pentecostal people getting a fight over that. We'll get in a huge fight over that. We'll throw down over that. We don't believe that. Pentecostal people, they'll say, Baptist people say, well, you know, y'all talk in tongues and that's just weird. You're just weird. You're weird people. And to that, I would answer, yeah, most of us are just a little bit weird. It's not the tongues. It's just follow us around. We're just not normal people. <laughs> It's not just here. It's everywhere. And we'll argue over that. We're not the same. We don't, have, we, don't, we don't always read this thing the same way, but what we do believe is this. We believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. 
We believe that he is the only way to heaven. We believe that he came as a, as a man, that he lived for 33 years. He died on a sinner's cross. He never sinned. And we believe that after three days in the, in the grave, he rose from the dead, purchasing our salvation. That's what we believe. That's what we believe is super, super important. And because there's a lot of other churches that aren't the same as us that believe that main thing, guess what? Heaven's going to be diverse. I will tell you this, hell's going to be diverse too. That's a whole different sermon, Reverend. You stop it. Don't, don't take me there. The church is the sum of all, all of its parts. It's the sum of all of its ministries. It's the sum of small groups. It's the sum of the ministry that you're doing when you're having coffee with somebody and just loving on somebody. It's the sum of hospital visits. It's the sum of funerals and weddings. And it's the sum of our greeters. And it's the sum of our children's workers. And it's the sum of our parking lot teams and our worship teams. It's the sum of the ministry that you're doing when you're talking to a parent who hasn't decided to follow Jesus yet. That's what the church is. The church has never been a building. This is brick, sticks, and mortar. And, and this is going to go away someday. It's just a building. You, you are the church. And you carry that gospel with you everywhere you go. You carry that Holy Spirit with you everywhere you go. You carry that presence of God with you wherever you go. But here comes the, the toe-tapping part. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He says if you preach, preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, help, don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you encourage, give guidance. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. Talks about serving. Go to the next slide. Some serve. Everybody say some serve. Some serve. That's a different, that's a different some, isn't it? Some serve. In our, in our world right now, you can go into a restaurant and you're going to see signs placed all over all of these restaurants. I was just at McDonald's yesterday and I drove. We had to go to Clyde, Ohio for a double header. Where's Clyde? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. We got there. Is corn, 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 Clyde. I'm not lying. <laughs> One more corn, yeah. Um, my, my, my youngest goes, I'm hungry, I want to eat. I didn't have any breakfast. I'm like, all right, we'll go through Ontario. We'll stop at McDonald's. McDonald's has got the double drive through line in Ontario. It is lined up out to the parking lot that goes to Gabriel Brothers. I'm like, pass, hard pass. We drive right by. I'll just go to Crestline. Nobody's in Crestline. I'll go to McDonald's in Crestline. I go to Crestline, lined up out to the road at McDonald's. Traffic jam, lined up. People are exiting, trying to get out. I'm stuck right here at the entrance. I'm keeping the flow of traffic going, but I'm getting my sausage McMuffin, you understand? I'm not backing up and leaving this time. I, call, I tell my wife, call them and see if they're open on the inside because clearly nobody's on the inside. No, sir, we're not all open on the inside. Why are you not open on the inside? We already know the answer to this. Why are you not open? We're short-staffed. We can't get anybody to work. Can't get anybody to work. I was at a restaurant in Lexington the other day, Paul Revere. I said, how are you doing? Because I know I, I, I go to places enough I know the waitresses. I said, how are you doing, Jess? How are you doing? She said, I'm, I'm struggling. She said, we're busy as we can be. Can't get anybody to stay working. We won't even go into the politics of that. I'll just stay away from that, okay? We, we don't need to go there. 
Everybody's short, short staff right now. I mean, and, and probably in your workplaces, people are short staffed too. Everybody's like pulling double duty, getting all the overtime they want. People are actually trying to pay more money right now. The starting wage at McDonald's in Shelby, I saw it on the drive-thru line. I'm, I might resign here. It's like 12 bucks an hour. I'm like, 12 bucks an hour? I can do mindless. I can make ice cream cones for 12 bucks an hour all day long. I made $5.15 when I started my first job, job. And I started off umpiring baseball. I had made nine bucks a game. I worked all summer long. I made $900 to, to umpire 100 softball and baseball games. And some of the softball games, the Little League softball games I umpired in ninth grade, they're still going on right now. They're that long. I say all that to say this. The world is finally working with the staff that the church has been working with all along. You see it in your work environment, how hard it is to get the work done by being short-staffed. This is what we've been struggling with the entire time because some serve. It has, been a it has been a laughable statistic in the body of Christ. Now, I will say this. As a whole, Fusion Church as a whole, all three of our locations are much better than the statistic that I'm going to give you. So I give you all kudos but as a, as a national church statistic goes, 20% of the adherents of a church do 100% of the work. That has been a long, long time statistic that, that really does ring true. 20% do 100% because some serve. But in the body of Christ, go to the next slide. God's not interested in some serving. He's interested in the some serving. That's revelation right there. He's not interested in some of us serving. He's interested in the whole serving. Why? Because his mission and his vision and his purpose for the body of Christ on planet earth is bigger than the 20% could ever accomplish. It genuinely is. If you believe God wants to win neighborhoods and communities, if you believe that God wants to expand his body and he wants people to hear the gospel, because at the end of the day, this is not about having sexy church. This isn't about, the, yeah, I said it. This isn't about being sleek and slick and all those things. At the end of the day, this is about a savior coming into contact with a sinner and making a salvation experience possible. That's what it's about. If you believe that mission and that vision is huge, you need to understand he's not interested in some serving. He's interested in the some serving. He's not interested in 20% doing 100% of the work because 20% can never do 100% of what he wants to see happen here. I believe it with every fiber of my being. I have been a pastor for 20 years. I have begged and begged and begged for kids church workers. I have begged and begged and begged for people to help with ministries, for people to help with food outreaches, for people to help with going into neighborhoods. I've begged and begged and begged and find myself taking the same 10, 12 people out over and over and over and over again. And oftentimes those 10 or 12 people, they're my, they're my most committed believers, they're my most committed followers, and oftentimes they're the quickest ones to burn out because all of the pressure is put on them. Now, I'm getting ready to be done. Pastor Josh, you can come up. I believe this is an important word. All of, all of the preaching that we're going to do over the next probably three months, we're going to get to every single message because I believe all of them are important for the groundwork of where we're going. 
I believe, and I believe it's biblical, that God has called all of us to engage with the body. I really do. There's not a part of your body that doesn't have a function. He could have compared us to anything. There is, there is, a, there is a function to every part of the body. Every single part. Every single part. There's very little, there's very little that can be removed from the human body. And I would even submit to you even the couple of, you know, some of you are thinking, well, what about the appendix or the gallbladder? I'll just go there because you want to be the appendix or the gallbladder of the body of Christ? That's fine, okay? You may not be essential, but you are still necessary. People that have had their gallbladder remo removed know life changes once it's gone, right? Can I get an amen? Well, okay. Life changes. It does have a purpose. But here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe some people, they want to get involved. Their heartstrings get tugged at. They feel like God's moving in their life and moving in their heart. But you are so self-deprecating that you don't see value in yourself. In the body of Christ, and, and, and this is, this is a little bit differently than even what I was brought up, but I believe, I believe I, in some ways we're all a combination of the proper teaching and the things we got to relearn that weren't taught right. In the body of Christ, we have, we have taught that in order to be a leader, that you have, to, you have to have been long in your journey with the Lord. And the Bible does talk about certain ministries where they can't be newer or recent converts. Like, I'm assuming you wouldn't want me to come up here and preach and just say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord last week. Let me, I'm just going to stay one lesson ahead of you guys. As long as I'm one lesson ahead, I can keep preaching. I'm, I'm assuming you want to know that I've, I've read the Bible, that I've studied the Bible, that I've, that I've had some ministry behind me. Just like you don't want your doctor to have just graduated. You want him to have graduated, but you would prefer that he had graduated a few years ago. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you're my first open heart. Okay. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. But we are so self-deprecating in the body of Christ that we believe we have to have everything right with the Lord before we can do anything for the Lord. Like once in a while, Pastor, I, you know, I, I got saved, but I... I have, I, I've, I've had people tell me that I, I just, I haven't got all the cuss words out. I, like once in a while I slip up and I cuss. Okay. So, I'm glad he's working on you. I'm glad you recognize that. Uh, pastor, sometimes I, I, still, I, I still have anger issues. Okay, can you, can you greet without punching somebody in the face? <laughs> the answer is yes, you might be usable. Yeah, they'll never forget the, their experience with fusion. <laughs> we, we expect ourselves to be so perfect before we serve the Lord that we don't recognize, I'm just going to say this, that part of getting right with the Lord is serving people. Why do I say that? One of the things that God is trying to work out of every single person is selfishness. 
being so concerned about you that you're not concerned about anybody else. It's one of the, it's one of the things that we live our life by before we follow Jesus, that I do what makes me happy. I do what feels good. I do, I do, I do, and I need to, I need to wrap up. I need to wrap up. But service basically says, you know what? I'm not going to do what makes me feel good. I'm not going to do what I want in this situation. I'm going to serve. And you lay yourself down and you elevate how important somebody else is. Reverend L read that word out of Philippians this morning. It was Philippians, right, brother? Philippians. The highest, the highest form of, of, of following Jesus is, is putting a high priority on what he put a high priority on. And Jesus and God are wildly and recklessly in love with us. They love people. And if people are important to God, they're supposed to be important to us. And when we don't serve, when we don't serve, listen to this. When we don't serve, you may be stealing somebody else's rest. When we don't serve, you may be stealing somebody else's rest. And so, as a part of the culture and the DNA of this church, we're going to try to get you plugged in as fast as we can. Oh, but pastor, that's just mundane work. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care come on in the kingdom do you matter if you're pushing a broom for the king of kings and lord of lords if i'm just pushing a broom i'll push a broom for him if it means pulling weeds i'll pull weeds for him when i get to heaven i don't care what my role is there i'll sleep in a box on the streets of gold i don't care my grandpa said just give me a shack over in the corner i don't care i don't when it comes to working in the kingdom there is no little job we got to make it we, we have to realize that everything that we do has an impact well, what ministry do you want me to be involved in i don't know yet just know we're coming for you Stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed, because I, I want to give you the opportunity. Man, I'm preaching from one to the other. It's my fault today. <laughs> if you would be honest enough to say, you know what, Pastor, I, I haven't started a relationship with Jesus yet, but I want to. Would you put your hand up and say, that's me. I need a relationship with him this morning. I need a relationship. All right. Now, if you'd be honest enough to say, you know what, Pastor Aaron, got a relationship, but I need, I feel it's time for me to either get back engaged or to engage for the first time. I don't want to be the person that just comes and sits. I want Jesus to come back and find my hand in the plow. I want him to see that I'm serving him by serving others, and I put a high priority and a high value on what he put a high priority and value on. And I'm hoping within every, with every fiber of my being for everybody that's walking with Jesus when I ask for these hands to go up I'm hoping and I'm 
that every hand goes up and says, that's me. But if that's you and we can pray, say, that's me right now. want to be involved now we're going to pray we're going to go but I'm asking I'm asking there's there's three of these that we're going to put back there there's no ministry on them it's just a name a phone number and an email if you'd say you know what pastor you can contact me if you got something if you got something in mind something that you need done something that people that we're going to serve and you want to be involved, they're right back there by the baptism clipboards on the back table. Before you go this morning, sign those and say, that's me. But I want to pray for you and I'm pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for, I thank you for this group of people. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you, Lord, for challenging our hearts. I pray, Lord, that this church becomes exactly what you need it to be in this community. Exactly who you need it to be in this community. And I pray, Lord, that you give us the heart inside of this body to serve with intensity, to serve, Lord, with purpose, and to serve corporately. That we don't look at this as, we don't look at this as this, somebody else will get it or somebody else will do it. But, Lord, we'll, 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 we'll take those Old Testament words, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, we'll take that attitude, here am I, send me, God. And Father, I ask right now, Lord, that you would, you would challenge our hearts to be those people, to be those people. And Father, as we go out from this place today, use us that way in our community. Use us that way. Use us with our family and our friends. Use us in our workplaces. In the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Sorry I kept you too long today. My fault. We'll see you next week.